You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to ESPN Game Day New York on 98.7. I am Matthias Kiwanuka. Joined now, we have Jordan Renan on the line. Jordan has the beat on the Giants. Jordan, how you feeling? Kiwi, what's going on, man? How you? <laughs> I'm doing great. We got a win, right? Did you call it? No, I did not. I will not. I will, I will not take credit for that. I was not on board with that one. Uh, they were, you know, almost a touchdown underdog, and they won on the road. It was a good win, though, for sure. It was a very, you know what? It was I a think I, I look at this. I look at this, and I think it was their best win, and the fan base is at the highest, you know, in regards to, you know, how they're feeling about the team. Mm-hmm. I think since Daniel Jones's first start, after Daniel Jones's first start, when he lit it up against uh, the Bucks, I, I think this is the best they've felt since that time so we're, we're going back now what 2019 so th- good three four years so uh the fan base i think should feel good about the team and uh that's where we stand you know heading into the home opener where it should be a fun atmosphere yeah you felt it right there was an energy the atmosphere was was there Definitely. uh the team was there that was one of the the things that i took away from it the most so i had said last week i wanted to see one you got to win the game you know, you have to establish who your leaders are going to be and then establish like a personality for the team. In my opinion, I thought, you know, Saquon, you know, definitely emerged as a leader. Daniel Jones was effective. Did you see any other um, leaders out there on the field or, you know, people that you would point to to say, hey, listen, this guy is a a major contributor we need to speak about? Yeah, number one is Jihad Ward, who I think played a great game. He was there. The Giants basically they put up on in their facility on the video board the players of the game and they give an offense defense special team. He was the guy that they gave defense and he's just a one of those guys. And you, I know you've played with tons of guys like this. You know every team has a few where the guy just doesn't shut up. Like he's constant energy. Like that's what he is. <laughs> that's that's his that's his personality. Like he's not going to mm-hmm. shut up. Like he's that guy. And even when Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari come back. Like mm-hmm. he's a he's a you know the bigger run stopping stopping guy like you, he's mm-hmm. going to be part of that rotation for sure. So I think he's one of those guys. And then the, even though he wasn't on the field, you know Brian Dable like he proved something like going forward, being aggressive. Like so now that's the sort of the mo of the team, right? This is going to be mm-hmm. an aggressive team. Like you know, like you have that feeling. You just you get that mm-hmm. vibe. Like the players know it. The players think it. Like, we're going to be an aggressive team. If it doesn't work, we don't care. Like, that's fine. But we're going to be aggressive, and we're going to try different things. And we're going to, you know, maybe think outside the box, go for two, be aggressive, you know, throw the ball downfield when maybe it's a rundown, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, that's going to be the personality of this team. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 was, that was one of the takeaways I brought, you know, 
um, was that the personality was established. We're here. We're we're coming at you. We're gonna we're gonna find a way to win games. We're not gonna back down. Um, talk to me about what did you um, what did you expect going in from Daniel Jones, and then what was your opinion coming out of this game? Did you think that he played uh, sufficient? Is this a um, uh, was this a good performance in your opinion? I thought Daniel Jones actually played really well up until that interception. And that's the one that just sits with you, right? Because it's such a, it was such a bad spot, but such a bad play at that time of the game. It's the one you, you can't make. But if you look at it, I mean, I went back and watched the whole entire game and watched every pass. And I'm like, well, that was the only one I look at. That was like a really, that was just a bad, like that was a bad pass. That was a bad throw. He was under pressure on 18 of 26 dropbacks. Okay. That is a ridiculously high rate. There's no quarterback in the league. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes, where you're going to be able to be, have consistent success if you're under pressure that much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you could do it in spurts. You, you know, Eli did it in the NFC Championship game against San Francisco that year. But if that's regularly, you're going to have a lot of heart. You're going to have a lot of trouble having success. So in regards to how he played overall, I thought he played pretty well given the circumstances. They couldn't block Jeffrey Simmons on the interior, especially in the first half. And that's why – you know, that's the, mo- the most positive thing that I took from the game. They went in at halftime. They knew where they were at. And because of the coaching staff, because of Mike Kafka and Brian Dable, what they, what they were seeing, they made adjustments and came back out. And that helped Daniel Jones because they obviously went more to the run game. That opened up the potential for big plays in the passing game when the opportunities came. And that's how you got the Sterling Shepard play. So, overall, I thought Daniel Jones was pretty good, but there was still – a, a big negative sign in that that turnover was killer and he can't be doing that in year four of his career. Yeah. Okay. You, you made mention about, you know, the struggles up front and blocking. I tried to give um, the, we spent a lot of time bashing this O-line, let's be honest, right. The last couple of years, but yep. one thing, one thing that I noticed, right. When Saquon was breaking, um, you know, breaking free, there were a lot of offensive linemen who were down the field, who were running, getting extra uh-huh. blocks, and 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 uh, making sure that they they finish the play. So, in my opinion, that's something that you can build on. What what would you say about this offensive line in general? If you're if you're saying that he was pressured, um, you know, that much, obviously it, it wasn't a perfect game. But what did you think about the O line play, and is this something that we can look um, look up on this year? I think that it's sort of like a scrappy group, and that's what we thought coming in. And I think that's what we saw there. They're better, and I think I even said this on last week's show, they're a better run-blocking unit than they are pass-blocking mm-hmm. overall. And we saw that, right? I mean, that was 100% the case the other day. And I think really that's going to be the case moving forward here. So you have to, you, you know, and Brian Dable, it's interesting because you're talking about a guy who came from Buffalo. He basically threw out the running game if you watch Buffalo the last few years, right? That wasn't their strength. They didn't have Saquon Barkley. They were there was games where they basically said we're going to pass the ball every every play. But the sign of a good coach often is okay. We're going to use our talent. What do they have here? Like they went in at halftime. And they said we have to run the ball more. We're going to have to be able to use Saquon Barkley, rely on him, and Brian Dable put that put the run. Mike Kafka too, by the way, who was a passing game coordinator last year, comes from Andy Reid. And Kansas City, where, quite frankly, the knock on Andy Reid is he never runs the ball enough, right? That's always been the knock on him forever. And so, but they they went into halftime, and they, they even though maybe they're both more pass heavy, 
uh, at heart guys and said, no, you know what? This is not, this is what, in order to win this game, in order to have some success to slow things down for our quarterback and make it palatable, we have to go and now we have to run the football. And that works to the offensive line strength. Like John Feliciano, the center, better run blocker. Mark Lewinsky, uh, the guard that they signed, you know, this offseason, better run blocker. Uh, when you have a rookie and Josh Azudu in there, you know, and he's facing Jeffrey Simmons, who, by the way, is one of the best defensive players in the league. Like, it's easier for him to run block than have to pass block against a guy, and that's Jeffrey Simmons' strength. So, you know, I, I think that's what we saw, and that, that's what you're going to see with this offensive line, and you're going to see it again today because this Carolina defense, very fast, but not especially big or overly physical. So I think where you can take advantage of them is in the run game. And, again, what is, that says to the Giants, play to our strengths, use that offensive line strength, run the football. And I think they'll look better when they're able to run the ball more than just go back and pass every play. Then, that, then they're, they're at risk of uh, being a liability. What about using, um, utilizing Saquon in the past game? He had seven, uh, seven catches for 30 yards. Um, Kadarius Sony had no receptions. Um, I think it, it was mentioned on the show, maybe yep. by you, that, you know, um, using him in the past game is the way that, you know, you want to run this offense through him. Um, is that something that, you know, that you look at to continue? Is that, is that the way that the Giants are going to, you know, pull it off this year? Yeah, I do a little bit. I mean, especially with the uncertainty, like with what they have at receiver now, I think that's definitely, I'll give Anita credit. Anita has been the one who's really been pushing that, right? Like she was all, she's been all over Saquon as a receiver, Saquon as a receiver. Uh, now I think that was in part because I mentioned all those pressures last game. So Daniel Jones was okay. I got to get the ball out of my hands super quick here. You know, and who's the safety valve a lot of times at Saquon Barkley. But he's going to get the ball. I mean, that's just, that's clearly going to be the game plan here. Not just this week. I'm talking every week. So, Saquon in the past game. Kadarius Tony, uh, he'll probably be limited again this week. And I, even before he had the hamstring, you know, sort of flare up this week. And he's listed as questionable, but I do expect him to play. Uh, even before that, I you know, until he plays and practices – for an extended period and shows the coaching staff that he could basically stay on the field and get on the same page with, with Daniel Jones and, uh, you know, pick up the enough practice reps where it becomes natural because there's a lot of uh, sort of uh, choice routes in this offense. And it's him and the quarterback know, looking at it and knowing and, and thinking the same way. So until you get on – like he didn't play in the preseason – so until he gets on the practice field consistently is able to do that, I don't think you're going to see him, Kadarius Tony, playing the 30, 40, 50, 60 snaps. So you'll see him in certain packages and, you know, sporadically. And because of that, Kenny Galladay, we, you know, he's been a little slow uh, to start here this season. We saw that in the preseason, the, the summer, and now it extended into the regular season. So that says, okay, we got to get the ball to Saquon. He's our guy. And we're going to see a lot more of that. And that's not just the running game because – Teams are going to be keen on him. So how do we get the ball to him in different ways? That includes the passing game. And I don't think that's going to stop. Maybe seven targets each week is a lot. But uh, I think, you know, four or five times a week, you're going to be trying to get the ball to Saquon easy in the pass game. Did you, did you feel like they were trying to get him the ball? I didn't, I didn't feel like they were forcing an issue. I felt like that was the, the natural flow of the offense. That gave him the best shot in each play. So you, do you feel as though they were? Yeah. Um... No, no, no. I okay. didn't. But I, I thought – 
I, I agree with you. That was sort of the flow of the game. But if he's not getting the ball and it's not the flow of the game, that's when you sort of then that's when you draw up specific plays for him, right? Mm-hmm. In the past, can get him get him screens, get him uh, you know quick hitters out of the backfield, let him let him you know make yards. And the thing that I loved about Saquon, he caught a pass. It was the fifth offensive play of the game, so the second drive, and he caught just like a swing pass, basically in the flat. It would have went for three or four yards, and last year was this kind of play where Saquon would have went out of bounds, right? Not taking hit. It was second and ten. He would have gained the four yards, went out of bounds. This year, he was running full speed, put his shoulder down instead oh, of a yeah. four-yard gain, yes, end yes. up into a seven-yard seven gain. Now you have third and three that convert that. It was actually only first down in the first two drives, and that to me was like, okay, Saquon's here to play. Right. And you and then you saw that throughout the game, running with purpose, lowering his shoulder, not mm-hmm. stutter steady, stepping and, and you know, sort of sh- shying away from contact isn't exactly the right phrase. But I think you understand what I mean when, when I say that he was running with a different purpose the other day. And that was included in the pass game. So instead of the three yard gain there, that was a seven yard gain. And to me, that's huge. Right. To get mm-hmm. that third and three instead of a, a third and seven. Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, there there are some times. Um, I was watching him. He was running with his shoulder pads so far out in front of his knees and his feet. I said, this guy has been running with bungee cords and parachutes all off season long to be able to, to, right. keep, his, <laughs> to keep his feet. It wasn't, it wasn't just a, a purpose. It was a, a mission. Like he was on a mission to make sure that, that he got it done. You know, there's obviously always a concern um, about whether or not he can stay healthy. So let's touch on that. And um, if the off chance that, that he does go down, knock on wood, like how do they have to adjust the offense to, to make sure that they can still get the same production out of that running back spot? Yeah, that'll be tough. I mean, they're not exactly loaded behind Saquon. They don't have it. Like that's, if that happens, that's when you got to say, okay, we got to get Kadarius Tony into the action more because he's the guy like they have two guys that you look at. I mean, Sterling Shepard too is a great, a really good, really good player when he's healthy and he could, he, you know, like he can get open, he could do things, but you know, they need that creativity guys that can make yards that, that aren't there. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's Matt Breida behind them. Like they're, they're crossing their fingers. Like they're not going to be the same offense. They're not going to be the same team. If Saquon Barkley isn't there because this offense is going to run through him. So that would be a tough one for them to overcome. And really, like, there's nothing that says Saquon is going to get injured or has a higher chance of getting injured. I don't really look at it that way. It's just sort of like one of these things, like, this is a – you played in this game. It's a violent game. There's guys that are going to get injured. There's there's not much you can do about him taking a step and tearing his knee. That was two years ago. Last year, stepping on a guy's ankle, like, you know, these are just complete crapshoot kind of things. I don't think you can count on them, but you do, like you said – you're kind of cross your fingers with him and say, oh, well, we hope he can stay healthy. And if they don't, then it's the offense definitely gets compromised significantly. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and in my experience, um, you know, the, re- the reason I bring it up is because you want everybody to be ready to answer that call. Right. So when you look at receivers, right. uh, one of the first things is, you know, if he's not getting the ball, he's going to be upset. Maybe he's going to go into the tank. And that's why when you said that Kadarius needs to be able to show that he can be out there consistently, I was thinking in at this stage in his career, does he really need to prove anything or do they just need to, um, you know, operate the offense so that he can get the ball? You know, I'm trying to, 
trying to imagine a way where we can keep this well balanced on offense so that, hey, if somebody goes down yeah. at, at whatever position, right, we can fill somebody in O-line, especially, right? But um, when you talk about, you know, big money, big name players, you want them to be um, bought in from the very beginning, because that call comes right away. You can go from zero catches to 13 targets in, you know, the second quarter of a game that you didn't think that you were going to get any targets off of. Right. So um, that, that was, that was, um, that was my thinking. Um, we can move yeah, on. I think it's a stuff. trust thing though. It's a, it's a bit, it's a partly a trust thing there. Right. Because it's like, can we trust you to, we know you could do the right things, you know, stay healthy, be on the field, like, if they make a Kadarius Tony a huge part of the game, can, can they trust that he's going to be able to get through 40, 50 plays? Like, he hasn't done it, right? He hasn't been able to stay on the field really at any point since he's been drafted consistently. I mean, it's it's really wild. Like, last year, everything. I mean, the injury report consistently. He even had the wrong size cleats one time. He had COVID twice. I know that's obviously not self-inflicted, but, I mean, there's just always something. He was out this spring. He was out this summer with a hamstring problem. Now it kind of resurfaced this week. Like, if you put into him to play such a big role, I mean, and I think this is what they're telling him. Like, they're saying, you know, we, we, we can't put just peg you in and plug you in for every single snap on offense because there's a good chance in the middle of the game we, we're not going to have you anymore. And then we have to make the mid-game adjustment there. And that, that's just – not a smart way to enter or put put him in that situation or the team. Yeah, I get it. Makes sense. So tell me, what are your expectations for this week? Uh, I think it's going to be a crazy atmosphere at MetLife Stadium, one of the best we've seen for a giant game in a while. So I'm kind of, you know, excited to, to feel the atmosphere here today. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, again, like I think we're going to see a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley against a defense that's super, that's super fast, super quick, but you can kind of pound the ball on them. You can kind of overpower them and be physical. And when I talked to your, you know, your old buddy, Chris Canty, your old teammate, mm-hmm. he, and when I said to him, what impressed you most about the opener? You know, he's a lineman. That's his, that's his kind of thing. He told me like the physicality of the giants on both sides was kind of what stuck out to him in regards to the line play. And that, I think, is what the M.O. is going to be here for the Giants against this Panthers team. And uh, I'm also interested to see, you know, Ben McAdoo makes a return here with this Carolina mm-hmm. offense, uh, <laughs> former Giants head coach here, second game as a coordinator. It took him a while to grind his way back. That's how Ben McAdoo made his mark originally, remember, with the Giants. Mm-hmm. He was the offensive coordinator in 2014 was his first year. In the first two years, he was actually a pretty successful offensive coordinator. So, That'll be interesting to see Ben McAdoo back on the sidelines in a prominent role against the New York Giants. All right, real quick before we get out of here, are we going to see Ojolari on the field at some point? That, that was the one guy. So so my, my thing was – Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You, you, what, what, no, uh, what's, what's, your, was, what's your point with him? No, my, my point with him is I, I was really excited. I enjoyed watching him last year. Um, you know, and, and I was uh, optimistic this coming into this year that he was going to be one of those guys. I don't know. What is your opinion? And, um, you know, what are you hearing about his injuries and when he's going to return? Yeah, I mean, he was he, – they're getting closer. Him and Thibodeau are getting closer. I'm not expecting either of them to play today. Uh, but you also think about this. 
they were limited this week in practice, so they're getting closer. I saw Thibodeau really open it up. I saw him actually sprinting and running for the first time this week. But it's early in the season. You have calf injury, a, a knee problem for uh, Ojolari's calf, which is a tough injury, by the way. And then mm-hmm. Thibodeau, you know, he sprained his knee, so and he's the fifth overall pick. I think you need to see the two of them, and I, I think you would probably agree on this, go through a full week of practice, be, be, not be limited at all, uh, unrestricted before you feel comfortable putting them back out on the field. There's still 15 games left after this. So, like, can, if this was a Super Bowl, would they have played? I think, yeah, they probably both could have been back this week. But I think we're at the point still where, okay, it's so early in the season, we don't want to risk this becoming a, a problem that they have to deal with throughout the season. So let's make sure they get back fully healthy. And that means unrestricted, full practice for an entire week, then we'll put them back on the field. So I think there's a good chance, actually. And remember, they have an extra day now next week, Monday night, Dallas. I think there's a good chance next week that they're both back for that Dallas game. That Dallas game sounds good. Well, Jordan, it's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you for bringing your insight, as always. Uh, We look forward to talking to you next week. All right, Kiwi. Sounds good, man. Have a great show. Thank you. Stay tuned. There's much more coming up on ESPN Game Day New York 98.7. I'm Matthias Kiwanuka. Coming up later, we have Anita Marks and Matthias Kiwanuka on ESPN Game Day. New, New York, York Game, Game Day, Day with, with Mike, Mike Tannenbaum, Tannenbaum Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blended, triple distilled, and triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Make sure you grab a Tullamore Dew during tonight's action. Remember, when, it, when it's game time, it's tally time, so please enjoy responsibly. Also brought to you by F.W. Webb and Will McLean. Turn to one of F.W. Webb's 
100 plus locations. How about that? For unparalleled Wheel McLean inventory, visit fwweb.com to find out convenient locations near you. And last but not least, of course, brought to you by Samuel Institute for Pain Management. For a pain-free life, visit samuelpain.com. Anita's three locks of the week. <laughs> it's Kiwi's favorite segment. Anita's locks of the week. By the way, I went two and one last week, two and one last week. So unfortunately, I had the Eagles and uh, backdoor cover for the Detroit Lions. They manhandled the Lions for the uh, majority of the game. And then, uh, of course, I, 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 here's, here's what I don't understand, Kiwi. Prevent defense. I mean, what the? Who came up with that? The bend but don't break. Yeah, whatever. Keep it like just keep, keep the pedal to the metal, keep dude. Everybody. Keep yeah. the pedal to the metal. What is it? You know, oh, you know, prevent defense. Like, let's let's give them twenty yards. What what is that? There's there's a there's a place for it. It's called complete physical exhaustion. <laughs> you gotta you just gotta keep everything bottled yeah, up. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> that opens the door. For, that opens the door for the back door cover, and that's exactly what the Detroit Lions did last week but anyway onward because again we were two and one in in week one therefore we won the people money so they're playing with house money so um so here we go ready here are my locks of the week i love the saints on the money line i know no alvin Kamara. that's what's being reported by the way um but it's okay they've got Taysom hill uh, the uh, swiss army knife he's going to do everything today and at the end of the day you know this kiwi this is about the defense this is about Mm -hmm. dennis allen who was the defensive coordinator now he's the head coach and, and how he has, the, he's the mastermind and he has put together this blueprint on how to beat Tom Brady. You pressure him, he's 52% completion percentage when he is pressured. Four games last year against the Saints. This Bucks team, 11 turnovers, eight of them interceptions by Tom Brady. We know he's got issues with his offensive line and now Smith is out because of an elbow issue. His wide receivers, there's some question marks. Uh, you've got right now Julio Jones is is being... Uh, labeled as a game-time decision. Not sure if Russell Gage is going to play either. Um, We know that Godwin is out. So, by the way, Cam Jordan with a sack at plus 210. Tom Brady with an interception is minus 125. I'm playing both of those, along with the Saints on the money line. And here's another one for you. If the Saints win today, they will be the only team in the NFL with a winning record against Tom Brady. And we're all anticipating him to retire after this year. Wouldn't that be motivational for you as as a player on the Saints to be like, hey, I played on the defense. I played on the team that we're the only winning team against Tom Brady. Yeah, you you don't think about it when you're out there on the field or you're you're going through um, the game. But yeah, you know, once you... um... Uh, when all the everything is done and the whistle's blown, like you appreciate the fact that you got that you got that little edge. And the other thing I'll say is, you know, Jameis Winston has been slept on a lot. You know, if you look at his statistics, like he's actually a good quarterback. I know he comes out and he says some funny. I'd love to play with the guy, to be honest with you. Like he he looks as though he has fun. He enjoys playing the game. But uh, statistically, he does tend to get the job done. Um, and then when you look at Tampa Bay, uh, you know, it's just it's difficult you know, watching Tom go through these struggles with his family publicly in, in the media and understanding that if your home situation is not all on board with your 
career choices, your decision to continue playing football, that makes life very difficult. So I think mm -hmm. this season is going to be a struggle for him for a different reason, not because he can't do it, but because his focus and, you know, like in the grand scheme of things where it should be is on his family. His kids are getting older. I've heard him say that, you know, like he's missing time with, with kids who are older. These aren't babies that, you know, just need to be, you know, you know, fed and, and taken care of. These are children who are, are missing their father. And so I know that that weighs heavy on him. So there's, um, there's, in my opinion, there's, there's no disrespect or there's no, um, uh, you know, no criticism if he doesn't perform at the highest level, because I understand what he's going through, but, um, at the same time it's football. And once you step on that field, nobody cares about what you got going on. Uh, so again, uh, Saints on the money line, that's lock number one. Number two, I'm going to take the under in the Patriots-Pittsburgh game, and that's at 40 and a half right now. This is interesting, Kiwi. This will be the first time that the Patriots and the Steelers will face each other without Ben Roethlisberger and Tom Brady since 1998. Bill Cowher and Pete Carroll were head coaches. This is when Pete Carroll was head coach of the Patriots. That's the last time these two teams faced each other without either of those quarterbacks. How about that? But both these teams dealing with both of these teams dealing with with some issues. Pittsburgh, as we know, Watts out. Harris is dealing with a Liz Frank. By the way, only averaged 2.3 yards per carry prior to him leaving the game last week uh, against Cincinnati. They've got a bad offensive line. Meanwhile, for the Patriots, uh, Mac Jones dealing with some back spasms. Also had a stomach bug. Poor little baby. Had a stomach bug earlier this week. Seven players on the injury report. The offense is a mess. And here are some trends for you. Last week, the Patriots, 26th in pace of play, okay? Uh, the Steelers punted league high 57% of their possessions. And last but not least, 33% of the Patriots' carries failed to even gain one yard. Both these teams, their offenses, they're a mess. So I'm going with the under at 40 and a half. What say you? I like that one. I'll take it. I will say something about back spasms. Back spasms is kind of like um, it's a, a like turf toe. It's one of those injuries that people are like you hear it and you're like, oh, you can't play with turf. You can't. Back spasms is a wide range. It can go from oh yeah, I'm a little bit tight to it's completely debilitating. So you don't know where he where he's at. But yeah, you're right. Both offenses are struggling. I think under at forty point five is is that's a good call. I'll take that one with you. And last but not least, I'm, I don't normally like to lay double digits. I'm going to lay them with the Packers. I'll, I'll lay the 10. I won't play it at 10.5. If it falls to 9.5, where's it at right now, by the way? Because it's been, it's been fluctuating. It's been, going, it's been all over the place, um, this uh, Packers. Yeah, it's at 10 right now. Um, hold on. What, let, let me see something. If you want if you, if you to buy it down to minus 9.5 um hold on wait a minute it's minus 126 minus. so if you want to buy it down to not minus nine and a half that's okay I i'm not i'm not big on double digit lane double digit uh spreads uh what does minus 126 mean for folks out there who might not be doing a lot of gambling it means you're laying 126 dollars to 100 dollars that the patriot that, that the packers win by 10 aaron Rodgers four and oh in week twos after a week one loss with 12 touchdowns, one interception. Dude's going to come out balling, okay? He owns the Bears. 23-5 and five record all-time against the Bears. The Packers with Lafleur, their head coach. 6-0 and oh against the spread. And also, the Packers are, are a great rebound team. They average 14-point margin in victory in bounce-back games. And boy, is this going to be a big one. Aaron Rodgers gets Alan Lazard back. It's reported that he's expected to play. Um, also with Justin Fields on the opposite side with the Bears, most sacked 
quarterback last season, he was pressured on 44% of his dropbacks in week one against the 49ers. So for all those reasons why I do like the Packers, again, I'll play it minus 10. If you are like me and you don't like the double digits, you want to buy it down to nine and a half, it's minus 126. Thoughts? Yeah, minus 10, even minus nine and a half is a lot. You know, I, I believe in um, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I understand the statistics you just put out there, but uh, I, just, I just don't see it. I'm not buying this one. Not, even nine and a half is too high. Really? Yeah, yeah. I just, there's there, there are too many, um, there are too many issues in that first game. We said last week, I appreciated how he handled it with the young guys and, you know, taking responsibility and, and also holding them accountable. But I don't think this is something that gets fixed in one week. So if they win, I think they're going to have to squeak it out. You know, I don't think, I think it's going to be a field goal, a last second um, type situation. I don't see them, you know, running it up. Interesting. Okay. All right. You know, I'm going to be texting you tonight. We will. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right? You know that. You know I'm gonna be texting you tonight. Um, some prop bets. So, so those are my three locks of the week. By the way, those are my three locks of the week. Uh, some prop bets that I do like: Greg Dortch, wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, over 41 and a half receiving yards. Might be my best bet in regard to a prop bet. No Rondell Moore. He's been ruled out. Hopkins still on suspension. Ertz is dealing with a calf. He's gonna play, but don't forget he is dealing with a calf issue. Played 91, Dorch played 91% of the snaps last week in week one, ran 42 routes, had nine targets, seven for 63, and and plays out of the slot were really uh, the weakness in the Raiders uh, secondary and against the pass is, uh, is, is in the middle of the field. And so, and, and that's, that's Dorch's wheelhouse. So Greg Dorch over 41 and a half receiving yards. My favorite prop bet out there uh, for week two. All right. Um, those are again, my locks of the week. This portion of the show brought to you by Bud Light. When you open a crisp Bud Light, you know, game day is here. Make sure you enjoy responsibly. Um, I'm Anita Marks. He's Matthias Kiwanuka. Quick break. We come back. We're going to dive into all the storylines. I just gave you my, of course, uh, my, my, uh, my locks of the week, but there are storylines out there. And, and this, one, this is what makes the NFL so great, right, is the storylines. We're going to dive into all of them leading up to the top of the hour, 10 o'clock, where Mike Tannenbaum joins us um, for New York Game Day. Still, still a lot more coming your way. Buckle up. It is New York Game Day here at 98.7 ESPN. New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Part of the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks, Matthias Kiwanuka, and it's our time to talk about some of the big storylines heading into week two of the NFL season. And, uh, and there, there's quite a few, uh, to be frank. And uh, one, one in particular that, uh, that I think is, is really, really interesting is Tom Brady and the Bucks going to Nolens, okay, um, <laughs> to take on the Saints. Yet again, the Saints have dominated uh, the, the Bucks with Tom Brady at quarterback. Uh, the, the Saints have not lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks since Tom Brady has become the the uh, the quarterback of the Bucks in the regular season, of course we know that 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 playoff loss with uh, Drew Brees, he threw God knows how many picks. But nonetheless, here's what's really interesting, Kiwi. If the Saints win this week, if the Saints win today, they then become the only team in the NFL with a winning record against Tom Brady. If you are a defensive player mm. in that locker room, knowing that he's going to retire after this year and knowing mm. that you could go down being on the team and the defensive line of the team to be able to accomplish that, how much more of a motivational factor is that for you? It's got to be huge. It's, it's got to be big because you understand as you get older, um, the the importance of you know, the relevance of the records, right? So the records that Tom Brady had set himself, you know, personally are are huge and they're always going to be spoken about and they should, but for, uh, you know, a team, an individual, a group of guys to, to be able to say that, Hey, you know, we, we've got, we got his number. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And it's a big deal, not only because it's Tom Brady, but because at his age, he still is very proficient at distributing the ball at organizing an offense and getting people motivated and able to win. That's why we're still talking about him. This isn't some guy at the tail end of a great career who no longer has it. He's still playing at a high level. So it means something to accomplish that. Uh, I, I think it's I, I think it's absolutely tremendous and in, in, in why it's 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 one of my plays this week. Um, so so that's for sure. Uh, big storyline number two, and that's the Rams, right? Like we talked about it on, on game day last week because, of course, they played the Buffalo Bills. But man, you know, were the Bills that good or were the Rams that bad? And a lot of question marks in regard to Cam Akers, um, Allen Robinson. And this week they're going up against an Atlanta Falcons team. Now, granted, it's 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 in LA. They don't have to travel. They're they're on they're on ten days rest, so they have a rest advantage. Sean McVay is great great with those in those games, but this is an Atlanta Falcons team. I don't know about you, Matthias, but really impressed me at least for the first three quarters against the New Orleans Saints. They ran the pistol over twenty five times. They didn't give up a sack, and they got to Jameis Winston four times. You know, how, how concerned on a, scale, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the, the, the most concerning, how concerned are you about this Rams team? I'm concerned with them. Um, may, well, first of all, being home in L.A. may not be the uh, the advantage we all think it is. You know, it's kind of like being home in New York. You can still get into plenty of trouble if you're, if you're not focused. So that's that's a, a team thing. That's a maturity thing. And that's a, a leadership thing as to whether or not it ends up being an advantage to them. I think when you talk about, 
um, teams, you know, who make it far in the playoffs specifically, right? Win a Super Bowl or not. If you make it far into the playoffs, what I've noticed in my experience, what happens is you, it's not just a, a hangover that you have. You do things during that playoff run that are atypical. You're allowed to do things like that because by the time you get to the playoffs, every team has shown their cards, they've shown their hands, and it's it's usually one or two wrinkles that you're looking to um, to expect, and then you're also throwing in one or two wrinkles that you're going to exploit on the other team. When you get back to the regular season, now you have to keep in mind, these teams have had months and months and months, especially time watching you excel to where they wanted to be, so they have time to put in all new um, formations, all new groupings, and they can run different things. So if you're not in tune to it, if you didn't spend as much time during the offseason preparing the same way these other teams did, it can go downhill really fast. It's week one. I'm not saying that that's necessarily going to happen, but what always was 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 taught to us was that you know you have to go out there and play against that stigma that oh they're they're gonna have a Super Bowl hangover they're gonna have some some issues you know just getting lined up or you know um they're gonna do things outside of their character at a player level even right so you get into the playoffs and it's you know it's every game is the last game and so you're allowed to take some risks because you're never gonna see this film either if you lose right so you're allowed to be out of your gap and, and get to the quarterback if as long as it works it works when you get back to the regular season, you got to play by your rules. You have to understand what the defense is asking you to do, what the offense is asking you to do, and you got to be able to execute. So my concern for them is, um, you know, it's, it's for the entire season, not just week one, but in the entire season. We'll see how they fare in week two. But I think it's more about are they going to be able to play um, the same high level that they were playing by the rules in the regular season. It, it will be interesting uh, to, to see how that all plays out. Another big storyline heading into week two is the Dallas Cowboys and the fact that Dak Prescott <laughs> is uh, is not going to suit up for them. But here's the thing. Cooper Rush has been in this offense for five years, Kiwi. And, and on top of that, this, this, is, this, this is a Cincinnati Bengals team. This is a Cincinnati Bengals team who uh, they just did not look good last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, granted, Pittsburgh Steelers' defense uh, came out balling. Uh, no denying that. But, uh, like, are you giving Dallas any shot this week oh, with Cooper no, Rush quarterback? No. No, and, and, and it's not necessarily a Cooper Rush specific thing. It's a backup quarterback on a team that has, you know, leadership at that position. Every every Everything about that offense is designed for Dak Prescott. I believe that their season is over. I'm not saying that, oh, it's their fault or it's Dallas again. This was, a, this was just an unlucky circumstance that they were put in. This is not something that you could prepare for. I don't think it's anybody's fault. Injuries happen. An injury to a quarterback's hand in week one is, is, is devastating right because I mean there's so many other things I mean any any major injury that takes you out you know multiple weeks is devastating but um I just think it's it's one of those things where it's just bad luck but no I don't I don't give them a chance this week and I don't think they legitimately have a chance at advancing to the playoffs this year um I I I, you know listen you you know me we talked about it before the season began I I have the I have the Eagles winning this division I have Mm -hmm. for quite a while now I just I think their roster is just so deep and, and and so impressive um, you know, a lot of people doubt Jalen Hurts, but listen, I, I, we, we've seen teams, right? Trent Dilfer, with all due respect to Trent Dilfer, right? Trent Dilfer uh, mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, we, we've seen teams have success and win Super Bowls without a quarterback being uh, the likes of an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom mm-hmm. Brady. Doesn't happen often. 
Um, but when you have the right roster, uh, at times, it does come together. Uh, another storyline I want to tee up for you, and that is the, the New England Patriots. Now, they are going up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here's what's perplexing to me. We sit here and we talk about, uh, you know, uh, Bill Belichick as being the, great, you know, the greatest coach of all time. How does he go into the season with this offense, with this offensive coordinator? And we don't even know who. Is it Matt Patricia? Right? Like, we don't, you know, mm-hmm. is it Joe Judge? We don't, like, who is calling the plays? Who is mm-hmm. engineering this offense? Like, a part of me feels bad for Mac Jones uh, because this, this, this offense is, is just does not have all its oars in the water. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm curious. Like, I, I, like I'm, I'm a little taken back. Yeah, you know? I agree. This is, this, is, this is Bill Belichick. Like, yeah. what are you doing, dude? There, there is cause for concern for, for the way that they came out. If there is one guy that I'm not necessarily going to write off this early in the season, it, it is Bill Belichick. But, but you're right. It does seem um, odd that, that they weren't as prepared. For one of the guys who's known for having his team the most prepared, and you talk to guys who came out of those meeting rooms, I mean, they, they knew everything forward and backward. So, you know, it, it seems that something is amiss. Um, I wouldn't say that I feel bad for Mac Jones yet. He's still in a, in a pretty good situation, but you know, I'll, I'll keep an eye on this one. Um, uh, the, the other game that I wanted to tee up with you is what happened uh, on Monday night with the, uh, with the Denver Broncos. You've got a Denver Broncos team who gave up the farm uh, to, to trade for Russell Wilson. They're in a situation fourth and five, and they decide to go for a 64 yard field goal where their field goal kicker uh, was 0 and 5 from 64 yards and beyond. Uh, the, the NFL record for field goal 64 yards and beyond is 2 and 40. But here you, you, you give up the farm, you pay them a boatload of money, mm-hmm. it's fourth and five, and you, you kick a field goal. What, what type of ramification, like what, what type of residual do you feel is, 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 is going to linger here? Um, I get it. First year coach, uh, Hackett, is he in a little over his head? You know, post everybody's talking about how it was the wrong call and everybody's agreeing to that. But, you know, how does a Denver Broncos team move forward from that? I think um, they're, they're going to have some issues moving forward. There's going to be some some people. It doesn't matter what we talk about outside. Right. Unless it leaks into the locker room. And there are going to be some people who realize, hey, maybe coach just doesn't have faith in, quote unquote, our guy. That's the biggest concern. If if he, as a as a young head coach, was really just making what he thought was the best decision for his team in that moment, then that means that he doesn't have you know full faith in the in the quarterback. So, you know that that's something that's going to be hard to um, to to overcome, and it could be an easy sense of of you know a easy source of of cancer within within the locker room. They're going to have to come back fighting. They're going to have to come back strong. They're going to have to get at least two or three wins to put that completely behind them. And they've got uh, the Houston Texans coming to uh, to Mile High, um, and and Houston looked quite good against mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Colts in Week One. Last but not least, let's talk about the Sunday night game, and that's the Green Bay Packers going up against the Bears. The Bears surprise a lot of folks because a lot of people were kicked out of their survivor pool because they took the 49ers over the Bears. Uh, but they're going up against the Green Bay Packers, who lost as well. Aaron Rodgers has self-proclaimed himself uh, the owner of the Bears. Um, he has a very <laughs> short um, temperament when it comes to his very young and rookie-ish wide receiving core, uh, mm-hmm. but it is Aaron Rodgers. It is Green Bay. They will be in Lambeau on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I expect, and, and they're a great rebound team as well. I expect the Green Bay Packers to rebound 
and and possibly this game be somewhat out of hand. The the spread is 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 ten. Your thoughts on uh, on on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers later on tonight against the Bears. I- I think, I think the Packers, you know, Aaron Rodgers specifically get back on track. I don't always agree with everything Aaron Rodgers says, but I thought the way that he handled the press conferences afterward, he um, put the responsibility where it was. I mean, he took the majority of the responsibility, but he still called out the individuals who had those drops, but he didn't belabor the point and he didn't, he didn't go after them too much, you know? And, and so I think allowing them to hear that, to understand that they're going to be held accountable, but they're not going to get bashed or drugged through the media. And we're also not going to ignore it and, and allow you know Twitter to go off on, on its own and, and do whatever they're, they're going to do. Um, acknowledge it, you know, take responsibility. And then I believe that he got back in that in that meeting room or in that locker room and started working with those young guys. And and that will help the the sense of camaraderie within that locker room. So imagine after a start like that, if you give a young guy another chance and let's just say, you know, there's a, an opportunity to win the game and you go back to one of those young, young guys and he makes that catch. I mean, you're talking about potential stars being born right here. So everything is, is set up. Um, I like the way that he handled it. Plus, you know, going by you know, his his career, you know, I do believe that you know, this this game at home against the Bears, he's going to be looking to get back right. No doubt, no doubt. Again, he's Matthias Kiwanuka. I'm Anita Marks. You're listening to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. These are some of the big storylines outside of New York, outside of the Giants, outside of the Jets, heading into week two of your NFL season. So um, hang tight, stay tuned. Still a lot more coming your way. Again, New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN.